We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. G'day there, it's Timmy Manor, and welcome to the Spirit of Sport right here on 1170 SEN. Joining me tonight, like he does every week, Benny Little. Yes, thank you, right here. Hey, Benji, <laughs> let me tell you about this guest today. <laughs> let me tell you. Me. Our special guest this week, our very special guest. He played just under 100 games across seven years in the NRL. Wow. He played with the Roosters, the Eels and the Panthers. And our guest is by far, Benny, by far the funniest teammate I ever got to play alongside. Wow, big call. We want, and one of the best blokes you'll ever see, ever meet, ever get to have anything to do with. And I don't know if anyone's a bit guest here, but my guess is the big bopping, smooth talking, bone crunching, red and black lumberjack, <laughs> Shane Shackleton. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, you, my mate? God. Mate, I'm lucky I've already come inside because I wouldn't be able to get in after that intro. <laughs> the head, the swell, the swell. Oh, mate. But, um, I meant every mate, good word. Oh, mate, I felt it. You know what? Because um, you're a genuine bloke and you, and you only say what you mean. So I appreciate that, man. I appreciate it. Can we just check how you're going, mate? Obviously, the world's... Yeah. Uh, Benny, it's weird. The world's mm. weird right now. Yeah. I don't know how else to say it. It's strange. How, how are you finding the... Uh, COVID and all the weirdness going on? Um, well, mate, on the COVID, I've, I've been lucky. It's um, So work-wise, I've sort of still been chipping away. I haven't sort of had much time off. So um, so work-wise, it's been good. And, I've, and I'm a little bit, I've, I've sort of found out that I'm a bit of an introvert, so that hasn't really, <laughs> hasn't really, <laughs> it hasn't really affected me. Not seen anyone. Um, the wife, on the other hand, she's going nuts. I only took you so, 35 um, years to realise. <laughs> Oh mate, I'll tell you, I, I'm a bit slow on the uptake with most most things, but um, I've I've learned that about myself. If um if I get anything out of COVID, I've gotten that. So that's um, you know, glass half full type type thinking. Mate, what are you feeding the introvert with? Like you're reading books or what, what are you doing? Um, mate, I just uh, I've done, I'm doing a little bit of study, okay. so I've, I've started studying a bit of counselling. So I'm I'm sort okay. of through the through the um yeah through studying that I'm sort of learning a bit more about myself. It's it's, um, it's, that's what they usually say, isn't it? The um, like psychologists and all that sort of stuff. They they generally start doing the course because they need one. Yeah. So that, <laughs> yeah. that might be what. Don't we all, mate? <laughs> might be what my, Yeah, yeah. No, you definitely need to talk to Tim. <laughs> <laughs> mate, I need to just chew your ear off. We'll talk off air because I need to get all my issues off yeah, my chest. Yeah. Hey, um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get we'll get a little bit more into your uh, your study and your and what you're thinking about your future later on. Tell, yep. let's, let's just go through right from the very start. Take us on the journey. How did the young Shane Shackleton get involved in rugby league? What was it like for him growing up? Um, well, mate, the old man played footy, so it sort of was in the blood. Um, I started, you know, uh, as a young bloke in the, like about five, I think I was, in the, in the South Junior, South Juniors comp for the, for the, uh, for the mighty Marrickville RSL oh, wow. football club. Yeah, so so I started off in the South Comp, played um, played in Marrickville and the uh, Kenzo played played alongside um, the likes of Rennie Matua. Oh, ah, uh, Yeah, old Ren Dog mate, he was killing it back then. So we had so we had Rennie in the he was in the uh, in my team at Kenzo. We had we played against um, Brayton Asta. He played for Maroubra. He was like from under rates onwards. He used to sort of just read the play. He was a bit of a phenom sort of thing, as you could imagine. So yeah, so so come up in the um, in the South Comp, and then sort of fast forward in a few years, I was playing in the Jim Ben Cup, um, 
Um, and we, so we played, so 2004, we, we made, we, we won the comp, uh, with the Sydney Bulls in the, in the, um, Jim Beam Cup and our, our grand final was a curtain raiser to the semi with, um, I think it was, it was the Roosters in, in North Queensland. Oh, wow. And Ricky Stewart, Ricky Stewart saw the game and, um, so yeah, basically, long story short, I got picked up from that, man. I, it was actually funny, the first phone call that Sticky, Sticky called me to see if um to see if I was interested in coming to the club. Yeah. I thought it was my uncle doing I thought it was my uncle doing a prank <laughs> on me. I told him it was like, yeah, how you going, Ricky Stewart here? I said, yeah, shut up, dickhead. <laughs> and he, and you know you know Sticky as well as I do. He's a pretty uh sort of intimidating, uh, intense sort of bloke. So when I realised it was him, I was like, oh, I couldn't have been more apologetic. But um, but yeah, man, I soft spot for Sticky. He gave me my first crack and um. So yes, yeah, so I went from the gym and cup to and played first grade the, the next year, man. So I was I was very lucky in that sense. That that gym um, cup side did that have many uh, Lebanese players in there? <laughs> <laughs> Not many. They, I think they were, they were all in the reserve grade team because they never came training. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we, there was actually there was a few, man. There was some of the best. Some of the best were, came from that from that um from that club. But yeah, man, there was um. There's some good players in that in that team, and um, it was one of those comps where it was like a few. There was like a lot of old heads and a lot of sort of young guys. So yeah. it, was, it was a mix between the two. So um, it was great for for experience. I had the great uh, Steve Goshen. He was one of the great sort of. Um, he, he's one of the great sort of underground coaches from from those comps. Man, he's he's old school. He he used to he coached West back in the day. Yeah, he was my first sort of one of my first main influences in in rugby league. So he's um. I still saw, sort of hold hold him in high regard um, in regards to the coaches Steve yeah. Goshen. So yeah, so he was yeah, so he was my coach there, and um, and then yeah, so I got I was lucky enough to get the call up from Sticky man and played the grade the next year. You actually funny you mentioned Sticky because you you in my mind you're right up his alley in terms of what he looks for from a forward. Yeah, like, I can yeah, okay. I can understand why I liked it. You're just that no nonsense, work hard, run hard, train hard. Um, right up his alley. Yeah. So I can understand why he uh, took a liking to you. Um, in 2005, though, so that was the year you made your debut. Um, yep. What was it like coming to the Roosters, you know, the year after Freddie retires? What was the atmosphere like at that club? Um, well, man, they, like, that was, the, that was the, the year after. Like, so 2004 was the year that they made the grand final in every comp, uh, in every year. Like, so I think, what, flag, reserve grade and first grade all made the grand final. So that was just stacked of stacked full of um, superstars, man. I was, you know, had Luke Rickardson was there, Craig Wing, Fitzgibbon, Adrian Morley. Had, so I'm coming from like, um, from Jim Beam Cup to this, to this scene where it's like all the superstars, you know what I mean? So I was, I was definitely sort of having to pinch myself and um, um, yeah, every day at training and yeah, I was, I was, I was lucky to get, so the crew that I come through with was, the likes of say Shiloh and, and Nigel Plum, and um, and a lot of other other players. I, I don't want to name everyone because I'll miss someone. But yeah. I mean, we had a you know everyone was sort of those guys. They were around. We were around the same age. It was sort of coming through. It was it was um, like semi parrots. The I mean, there's too many. There's too many to to, to mention. But um, and we were the young guys coming through. So we had these these other guys to look up to. So that was you couldn't ask for a better better position to be in. And how are the boys that you know. bringing you in this new guy on the on the scene? Um, yeah, it was it was it's one of those things like you, you'd know sort of with um, with playing for a long time, Timmy. You can't you can't be a um, you know in those situations you can't be a shit bloke. Otherwise, you get found out. So 
um, and it's very much a uh, it's a thing built on on it's a, it's a big there's like a big closeness in in the culture like you you get really close to training hard together and that's just and that's just um, everyone sort of buys into it you have no choice so um, I actually you know what the funny the funny thing Joel Monaghan was at the was at the club at the time too and I remember before that if I had a, if I had come up um, come up against or, or sort of come up to like a, another redhead it'd be like a bit of an embarrassing it'd be like an embarrassing situation it's like it's almost like we're looking at each other and we know the embarrassment that both of us have gone through growing up but so so like when i saw him i was like it was a bit of a i didn't know whether to talk to him or because it's like yeah it's just like an awkward moment and um but mona's but mona's really helped me embrace the red the red like the red hair and the and you know that been a redhead so we sort of stuck together and it was a f- so from then on it's um i sort of it sort of helped me sort of embrace embrace the complexion <laughs> and the hair and all that and uh and i wasn't as embarrassed by it so that was a that was a funny thing that sort of helped me to uh, fit in you know you just, just reminded <laughs> me i think we, we played together in the city country game i think it was 2011 oh, together or, yeah and yeah i still remember there was a photo in the paper it was the, the four, <laughs> four redheads it was yourself uh, I think it was yeah. Chris Keating, Tom Simons, and Keith Galloway. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's just you really embrace Unheard it. Just, you're just, Unheard you're of. Unheard of. Flying mate. the flag. I'll tell you what. Every, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a big believer. Every team's gonna have one redhead at least, minimum. They're, they're the, yeah, yeah. They're just a, well, it was, well, just before that, there was all the rumors going on going around um, saying that we're all gonna be extinct in hundred years, <laughs> and then and then that and then that year. And then that year we bloody we had so in the Roosters we had Benny uh, Ben Jones and Tommy Simons and myself in the same team. Yeah. And I'm thought hold, I'm looking I'm looking around going hold on a second we're meant to be extinct mate we're we're like we're we're running around in packs now that's the opposite <laughs> taken over you know yeah taken over and then um so it's like we used to sort of stay together and like just sort of closely listen in on what people were talking about and just keep reminding everyone that, you know, don't worry, you're surrounded now. There's four of us. Yeah, Chris- you can't be talking, <laughs> talking about <laughs> Strength in numbers. Yeah. Christian Welsh is yeah. um, the front row for Melbourne Storm, right? Champion, yep. champion yeah, yeah. player, champion guy. He um, he calls himself the white rhino. Because <laughs> he, he, he reckons Caucasian, he reckons Caucasian front rollers on the way out, they're going to be extinct soon. And yeah. he, he was really disappointed when I retired because he goes, there's another one gone. He goes, there's going to be no more white front rolls left. And he calls it <laughs> the white rhino because he's about to go extinct. <laughs> uh, so what he so he put you in that in that category? Well, you, mate, I say, I always say um, I get rejected by the whites. I get rejected by yeah, both. Yeah, I'm, I'm not white, I'm not black. Yeah, so you're my, my sort of, whole... You're sort of neutral. Yeah, so yeah. my whole career is just like, you know, pick a side in touch and like, well, I'm not an island, I'm not an Aussie, mm. so what am I? You're a unicorn. I'm still trying to figure it out, Benny. You're I'm still trying to figure my life you're out. You're a unicorn, mate. You're yeah. a special Mate, you're one of a kind. You're uni- one of a kind to me, that's, that's for sure. The only uni thing I have is my, is my eyebrow. I've got a uni brow. <laughs> 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 oh, imagine, I'm just imagining a, a unicorn with one eyebrow. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, anyway. now, mate, now, he, you, you, so you play City, right, which is a pretty awesome achievement, and then you end up... Um, yeah. Signing? Is it, did you sign with Para after the City t- game, like that that year? Yes, yeah. So I played. Um, I played City two thousand and nine, and yeah, signed with Para right, yeah. that year. Yeah, um, because I remember we signed yeah. you, Justin Paul, and you both like were rep players in two thousand and nine. Uh, what <laughs> What was it like making the transition from, I guess, you know, one club to another? Um, 
you know what, blokes like yourself, I think you're the first bloke I saw driving the training that year. Um, that, that, like, so the first day I came to training, um, I remember for the last sort of 10 minutes of the, of the trip, you were just, I think you were tailgating me. You were following, <laughs> I thought you were following me. I was like, what's this bloke doing? But you're the first bloke I met and first bloke I sort of saw at training. And, um, yeah, so blokes like yourself, especially yourself um, and, and the other guys like Fui and that, um, made it easy, made the transition easy. And just, like I said before, that's the culture in rugby league and that's what makes it easy for blokes to transition. Yeah. Um, I sort of I sort of lived halfway in between. I, I lived in Bankstown anyway, so like there wasn't like an extra trek. It was probably closer for me, um, all that sort of stuff as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's like anything. I, I think I found I had a little bit of a, you know, social anxiety sort of growing up. So that sort of side of it makes always used to make me nervous meeting new people. Yeah. But um, but yeah, like I said, me, like having blokes like yourself, um, even you know what, even Heine, Heine was a one that I was a little bit nervous about because I remember when I was at the Roosters, man, we used to always have runnings, <laughs> and we had a had a bit of a running battle, and I used to pay him out, pretend like I used to make out that I got it over him, and he did the same. So I, I was always like, an, I was like an awkward thing where I thought, oh, is Heine going to be nice to me, or is he going to be like he's going to remember all the times that we had blow ups? But um, but yeah, he was nice, man. He was. Everyone was good, and and that made it a lot easier than um than it than it would have had been. Yeah, mate, well, for someone that's an introvert and has social uh, anxiety, you're you fit in very very quickly, mate. <laughs> like you, everyone loved you straight away. Um, but it was Thanks. pretty early in your in your time at Parry. I still remember the the day at Parry Stadium where, um, mm. you know that that tackle where you, you had I think you had two or three people on you, but you did the splits. And for those listening yeah. that don't know, that didn't see it, it was you know it's horrific. So he, he tore his hamstring off the bone, Benny. Yeah. Um, and mm. what was that like for you mentally, like to? Because you speak to anyone in any sport that's done that injury, and it's such a hard one yeah. to go over mentally. What was it like for you when, yeah. you when you first felt it, and you know, obviously, what was it like after that? Well, it's just so. It's just really. You just all you think about is like what a. It's just a waste. Such a waste of the season because, um, you know, like you know how hard pre seasons are, yeah. and by the time you know you're up round one, it's. You know that you're you thinking is this is going to be the year? This is going to be the bit me best year sort of thing, and that's that's all you think. And then before you know it, it's um it's all over. And and like for me with that injury, it was like it was it was almost um there was a chance that my career could have been over. So mm. um and these are all but like these are things that you, that they tell you when it happens. But um you know human nature is to like I was in denial for a long time. I was sort of. Even even up until getting the scans, I was like, no, nah, it's not it's not torn off the bone. Even though my leg was bloody you know, <laughs> hanging off, yeah, was hanging off, yeah. I was yeah. like, I was to, in my head, I was I was saying, no, nah, it's all good. It's only just like a tear, like a little strain or something. But so the the mind does funny things. But yeah, it was um, it was probably, you know, I had a few big injuries, but I used to always tell myself that it's um that it's a character builder. So I used to try to tell myself these things to stay positive and to get through them. And I probably, out of all my injuries, I definitely went in, I sort of, I don't think I've trained, I don't think I've gone into a zone deeper than I had through that uh, through that uh, rehab period with me with my hamstring. So it was probably six months where I was just um, training by myself, doing all the rehab and, and I was like, it was, it was probably the six most solid months of training I've ever done. And um, I guess if I hadn't have done that, then I probably wouldn't have played again. But um but I did, and I was able to come back, and yeah, and you know yourself, I, the the social side of it, man, that's what sort of that yeah. was the fun part for me. So I I remember um, I used to do everything I could to to try to stay 
stay like in in touch with that sort of thing. I used to sit in the video sessions and and um, used to I used to make sure that I was there when um, we're doing the last minute the the, the last sort of chat before the the weekend's game. We do a dance every now and again as well. So. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I think what every every time every we did it, we actually did a routine. Oh, I just remember. Um, yeah, we I actually did a routine. It was probably the greatest moment of my life, to be oh, honest, dancing wise. Well, <laughs> likewise, my friend. All right, let me tell the listeners at home listening to this. So, Parramatta, yeah. the captain's run. So, the, the day before game day, you'd finished your your, your light captain's run. It's about half an hour, forty minute session. You'd get together in a circle. Our our fearless leader, Nathan Kalis, or whoever the captain was at the time, would give a bit of a chat to the guys. You know, let's prepare well tonight. Get ready for tomorrow. After that, there'd be a dance. So, like, you know, if it's your debut, if it's your 100th, if, you know, you, you, you're back from injury, you dance. Shaq was in that circle every week. He, <laughs> he didn't play he didn't play the year. He was in that circle every week. And he featured in the dance, right? Uh, and one day, uh, Shane and I thought, you know what, let's... Let's do a routine. So we, we Let's practice, take it seriously. Yeah, Come so on. we, we yeah. practice like a tag team so dance good. routine. And, <laughs> and I don't know I don't know if everyone else will agree with us, but I, the way I picture it in my head was I think I think one or two boys fainted out of like out of awe. <laughs> that definitely happened. Out of awe. There, there was happened. cheering. They they carried us off on their shoulders uh, off out of the out yeah. of the field. It was yeah. It felt like that anyway. Was, I, I don't know if um, they appreciated it as much as we did, but what a moment that was! Sounds like a moment. Yeah, well, it was, I think I still remember yeah. some of the moves. Yeah, I remember. I remember the whole thing. Yeah. I, re- I, was, I I swung the rope around, swung the rope around, yeah, and then you up, lassoed, lassoed you, caught and you, jumped, hop, and it was just the, the timing. Yeah, the timing. The it was, everything was just the. It was just perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah then right. the, so lasso bang, lasso jump. Yeah. One pull of the rope. Second pull, next minute, Timmy, left arm, like right arm, fish, out, bang, yep. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, just, I just remember, I just remember looking at each other after the after the um after the routine <laughs> finished, and it was just like a realization that we just we just like got Great. a perfect ten. We just created history. Created, it was per, it was perfect. And we couldn't, <laughs> yeah, you couldn't redo it. Oh, how did I did not forget um, about that. What a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> All right, so you obviously, like, and if you ask any person that team, well, forget that team, any person that played with you, they always talk about how amazing you are for a team, not just for obviously your performance on the field, but what you bring culturally. Like, you're that guy that people loved having around, that was always fun. What was it like for you, though? You talk about being an introvert. What was it like for you, Phil? Because, yeah. you know, you obviously would have felt like you had this expectation that you had to live up to because everyone, every time you're around, people expected to laugh, people expected to hear a story. How did you find that? Yeah. Um, well, it's stuff. I guess it's um, with learn, like with the study and all that sort of stuff. It's I'm sort of learning about it and um, what it all meant for me, sort of now more than you know, it's ten years later. Yeah. But um, I mean, I, I remember, yeah, I it wasn't an obligation. It was just something that happened, where you know, if there's a new new player at the club or whatever, I just felt um, the urge to make them feel comfortable and 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 humour and laughing had a lot to do with that. Yeah. Um, and the culture, yeah, the, the culture. I sort of, you sort of, you still see it now. Um, you know, when you see uh, moments in the sheds and stuff, there's a lot of laughter and there's a lot of fun. And I guess that's how we sort of get through, you know, the the season. That how long it is and how how tedious or how sort of not tedious, but how um how hard it is. And um, so yeah, so but to be honest, I, I think back to to the um, <laughs> I guess to the friendships I had and. And there could have been a lot more. It was like it was sort of um, the the humour and all that sort of stuff took over 
maybe maybe getting deeper and, and um, having having more sort of genuine chats. And you know, I, I was able to have those with with the likes of yourself and like my closer mates, but. I probably sort of um, hid hid the real the real me to to a lot of people <clears throat> yeah. through the through the humor through the humor and stuff. But um, I mean, it was what it was. It served its purpose and, and made it and it made it still you know enjoyable. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I sort of thinking back, it's uh, I would have I would have liked to balance it a bit more. And um, because there were times, man, where I was actually trying to be serious, and people were like give you a second look, like you know. Yeah, nah. yeah. Nah, pigeon, you, just, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I've actually, I've actually um, worked on it a little bit with me, with me middle, like my middle daughter. So because she takes a piss just as much as I do, and yeah. um, I sort of try to get it to balance it a bit because um, eventually, like she wants, she's going to want to be taken seriously now and again, and and uh, she might struggle to do that. And she's actually starting to feel it now because she's she's been a bit of a joker, and um, and I'm glad to to be able to bring that up with her so she could hit it on the head now and um and there's something yeah i'm learning that about myself now and um yeah. yeah i'm trying to trying to sort of move forward to to get that balance there that's awesome yeah is it kind of like just yeah. different different um approaches to different social settings like some social settings yeah it's, it's, the, it's the funny guy yeah well yeah other settings, yeah well not i think yeah. yeah i think not being afraid not being afraid to sort of um to be myself as well like mm. so being being funny is a big part of who what you know who i was in footy but um, but it's not it's not who I am completely, you know. So, mm. and uh, I was probably afraid I was probably afraid to let people know who I am, really. You know, that that might have been um, had a lot to do with it. But um, but yeah. So it, it might it's just there's a few, there's a few sort of um, conversations I could have had that could have been a real deep, eye-opening conversation that I may have missed missed out on because of the just just trying to crack the joke all the time. And that's what you know. Not that you know. Not that I look back on it as being a bad thing or being you know. A negative experience but that's just um sort of learning about myself that's yeah. um some things i could take sort of moving forward i could um take into account and then you know have a better experience yeah well, now you know yeah while we're on a serious topic I, like and I, if mm. we don't want to go there we can we can change the topic though um you know yeah. i remember there was at that stage in your career you, you had a lot going on injury wise and all that, you had a lot happening on, on the field but then uh you had one of your good mates um your good mates pass mm-hmm. away during that time. Mm. Um, and I remember, yeah. like, you know, it wasn't just any friend. It was a really close friend of yours. And I remember how much that, you know, was, how tough that was for you to go through. What was that like dealing with that loss while, um, you know, obviously being a professional athlete and in the public eye? Um, yeah, that, that was probably the hardest thing. Because that was, so Paul, you met, you met Paul. Yeah. You, he, he, liked, he liked you a lot. Yeah. Um, a but, um, yeah, so he was, he was the guy that I was with every day. Yeah. So, um, next minute, yeah. So from being going from that to, to it still sort of chokes me up now. I, I, I'm not sort of, um, yeah. He was, yeah, going from seeing him every day to him not being there. It's it made it hard. And um, yeah, it's yeah. So there was a like the I touched on denial already, but man, I you know after we we found out he was gone, man, for two weeks, I, I sort of still I didn't. I didn't believe it. I was waiting for him to, I was waiting for someone to say, no, no, we found him. He's all good. Yeah. So that was hard. And, um, and a thing that made it hard was harder was, um, and not, not to take anything away from anyone else losing people or, you know, everyone loses people and that. But, yeah. um, I think one of our other, other teammates lost someone as well. And there was a big thing about it. And we all went as a team to support him. And, I'm, and at the same time, and I'm thinking of, you yeah. know, 
what about my mate? You know, that's, it's just this is just sort of the weak, the, the the weak sort of thoughts I had um, when it was all going on, sort of feeling sorry for myself. But um, yeah, man, that was that was hard, and it probably it's probably it probably sort of um, turned a corner for me mentally. I, it, something I didn't really address, um, and it sort of you know, I reckon it, it sort of probably affected me. Because um, not long after that, man, I was sort of out of out of there. I was out of power, and I was, you know, yeah. sort of downhill, downhill. But you know, that's um, it is what it is, man. And it sort of teaches you to sort of address things. And and um, yeah, man. But that was a, that was a massive loss. That was um, he was he was he was like my big brother. So he he was like the my moral compass, and he was like someone that I I could sort of talk to and ask, you know, ask how am I doing here, how am I doing there, and he'd be honest with me. So. Yeah. When that voice is gone and um, and my mind being as scattered as, as it is, I'm taking advice from yourself wasn't the best <laughs> the yeah. best thing at the time. <laughs> I, I but, still remember um, there was a there was a night where we um, I don't know, I can't remember where we were driving home from, but we we're listening to worship music and it kind of sticks yeah. out in my memory. We went, we, I think we ended up because you were living near near Para Leagues. We went to the back yeah. of Paris Stadium somewhere. We just sat in the car f- for about half an hour. We didn't speak to each other. We we're just quiet, just listening to worship music. It was just, I don't know. It was one of those nights that mm-hmm. I kind of. Yeah, won't forget. But it was just one of those where we just needed just to sit there and not talk and just listen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's why I always pr- appreciate people like yourself, man. It's and times like that because that's the stuff that you know that that um that you remember and that mean that means a lot. So that's that's mm. important to um to have people like that in your life. So you know I'm grateful to to have had you at that time, mate. And um yeah. Mate, I love you, but all right. So let's let's. Yeah. I, mean, I don't want to get too uh too. I'm going to get chucked up here soon. You guys are right. Wanted to leave. Are you right? Are you right, mate? <laughs> I just need some, some water, please. Um, yeah, mate. Then not long after that, and uh, it's mm. a bit of notorious. Uh, to be honest, I actually don't even know the full details of it. But there was a face, yeah, there yeah. was a Facebook post that that people were talking yeah. about that involved you talking about the coach. Uh, do you know what yeah. was the story there exactly? Well, the full-on story, man. I, so, I was probably on the outer at the club, and I was, you know, um, and that sort of happens to a lot of people. But yeah. okay, so without be- without beating around the bush, I um, I was in the bad the bad headspace that it was. I, you know, I could have been doing. I was doing probably things that I, I should have been doing. I shouldn't have been doing, and and not doing things I should have been doing. Um, at that time, and that was sort of, I was sort of it was a bit of a downward spiral there, like like personally, but um. But what happened was I so I think we played North Queensland. I was and I was sort of it was I might, it was either out of it was out of me and someone else and um to 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 be the last spot on the bench and um and I ended up being 18th man and then my cousin asked me what happened how come I didn't play and I sort of just told him what happened and then I was sort of right at the end I was like gave the, gave Kearney a little spray which you know I was just just weak in the head at the time you know what I mean just having a little vent yeah. And uh, just frustrated in the position I was in, and you know, blaming everyone but myself. And um, you know, it's one of those things. Of, you look back on all the time. You go, mate, if I'd have done this, if I'd have done that. But yeah, so that's yeah. what happened at the time. I had a little vent to me cousin. I thought um, thinking that only he can see it. Yeah, I was thinking. I thought it was a private message or something. So I'm not publicly spraying the coach. I've, I've sprayed. You know, I have sprayed. I've done the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was a private message anyway. I've got a message um, from someone. Um, within the para like uh, fan club or whatever, saying, "Oh, everyone's talking about how you sprayed your coach." And I was 
I was like, what? I, was able, I forgot the message even. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so the next thing, you know, um, one thing led to another. And, you know, I, I rang I rang Mook straight away and told him, you know, this is how, this is where my head was at. I was having an event. I, you know, I didn't mean it. I didn't, you know, I, there, there was nothing in it. But um, by, by Mook's you mean Steve just, Kearney, the coach? Steve yeah. Kearney, yeah. 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 There's nothing in it. This is where, and that's, yeah, this is this is where my head was at, man. I apologise. Yeah. Um, and he and he said, yeah, all good as long as we're on the same page. And and that was that's what I, I that was that. Well, that's what you know. At the yeah. time, I thought that's that's what it was. And yeah, so. And um, was that the that was, was that the last time you played? If, if I remember correctly, or like, did you play? Yeah, well, that? Um, did you get picked again? Not for not for para. Yeah. For para, yeah. But um. So yeah, man, everything sort of got knocked on the head. Like everything got sort of turned upside down at that stage. I was doing the footy show stuff, and that was sort of put on hold. And um, they wanted to do an interview to get my side of the story. And and Paris said, "Don't do it. You know, um, let it sweep under, sweep it under, or sweep under the itself under the rug." And yeah, yeah. and I, I thought, I thought, yeah, look, look, I've I've stuffed up. I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. Yeah. You want me to not say anything, or whatever. I'll, if you want me to, I'll wear. Because I'll they wear care about you, obviously. Care. That was the key. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not about them. So, it's, it's for you. <laughs> yeah. So I, so so the thing is, it got swept under the rug for the club. Yeah. I was forgotten about, but I was I was um, tarnished by it, and as I should have to to an extent. But I think if I had been able to say my side, it would have been like um, it's like when Sandor came out and and did the interview about the drugs and all that sort of. Everyone sort of saw his side of the story, started feeling sorry for him. Yeah. And I thought all I did was you know vent. I shouldn't have done what I did, but like cause I didn't I didn't realise that it tarnished me until I overheard um, my manager talking to another club and it's a, it was a coach that I coach that I knew and I've known for a long time and um and he was and his reason for not looking at me was. Because he said, "Oh, haven't you heard what he's been saying about his coach?" Yeah, and wow. I thought I was like, a, it was a realization that, like, yeah, I'm not excusing what I did, but it's just if I had have said something, like I had to sort of give him my side of the story, and people just might have been a bit more um, empathetic. I don't know. I don't deserve. I mean, I don't deserve empathy, I guess. But you know what I'm saying? It's, no, it's, mate, I it might have been. I it might have been different. And you know what the funny thing is? I actually never really asked you for the details. This is the first time I actually asked you what happened. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, obviously, I heard the stories of what, what got down, what what happened and what they said. Yep. But I, would, I think it would have been awesome for you to tell your story because it does change the narrative. It does change, you know. Yeah. And I wouldn't have lied. Like, I mean, I would have said it as it was. And that's yeah. And that's what, you know, I would, I would have just said, look, I'm in the position in my career. I'm frustrated. I was, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it would have just given when people hear it and they see your faces and you're genuine and you're telling the story. Yeah, it's like for some reason they 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 sort of empathise with it a bit more. Well, yeah. But yeah, man, when yeah. when when the coach when the coach said like he's not he's not looking at me because of what I would say about my coach, I was I was like, fuck, oh, man, really? Because yeah. we go back and I was like, is that all? Is that all I am? Is that all? You know. I'm what I said about my coach now. So. Yeah, well, you're, but I did it and I've got to live by it. So that's it. You're kind of leading into the very next topic, which um, if you've, yeah, you've pretty much started talking about it anyway, yeah. but that transition to life after footy, and I talk about it so much with players. I talk about it um, every yeah. single every single player that's retired. You know, there's probably a 2% that would say, you know, they, they're, everything was sweet after footy and they made the transition easily mm. and, you know, they, you know, working at Channel Nine and everything's good, right? <laughs> but yeah. the the real the real reality, and it's kind of the it's a silent majority. It's a it's a mm. issue that doesn't get spoken about much at all. But there there's some real hurting boys that um, you know, and it's 
it's this is the thing, Benny. You go from high school pretty much, or you know, you're 21, 22, mm. your debut. You live the dream. Everyone's telling you, oh, you should probably get ready for life after footy. You're 22. You're like, mate, I've got the forever ahead of me. You're, you're 33. You're so old. Don't tell me what to do. And then you get to the end of your career, and sometimes it's thrust upon you a bit, you know, sooner rather than you you would have wanted, or you you had it prepared for it as well as you you know you probably should have, or as well as you hoped. And yep. when you get there, the other side of it, it's you're on your own. It's I, I'll talk from my own personal experience, right? I I didn't even know how to pay my healthcare. Like I didn't even know you had to do that. My healthcare, <laughs> my private healthcare was paid since I was fourteen years old. Like, so all the way yeah. through my career, I just assumed something gets done, and then, yeah, yeah. and just little things like that, you get thrown out your own, and mm. it's I don't want to say no one cares about you, but it's it's yeah. you're not really anyone's problem. It's yeah. you got to start fending for yourself, yeah. and the, sh- the yeah. like, it, it's a real shock. Um, and you know, I, yeah, I, I don't want to like sympathise my problem because actually, if I'm being honest, I was probably one of the guys that was able to have a smooth transition and I was lucky. And even me, I found it a shock. Like, so I can only imagine what people would have felt like. And I hear stories every day with guys that were tired and they tell me about what it was like when they finish. How did you find it? You know, obviously, you know, the end of your career was much shorter than it should mm. have been. Like, you know, you obviously had heaps more physically in, in you. How did you find the transition? Yeah. Well, yeah, Timmy, you say that you had, you had an easy transition, but there's still an element of it that there was an identity crisis um, you know, right at the end of it, where you sort of didn't like you're you're one thing, and now you now you're sort of forced to be something else. Yeah, and that's where that's where psychologically it sort of plays a part and, and affects you um, more than you you know more than you probably think at the time as well. But for me, yeah, I um so I I then I finished up and I and it was like the plan I had for myself was was you know it didn't end till like five years down the track. So yeah, yeah. I was well and true. I was well and truly not not prepared at all i was doing a bit of a bit of study um i was studying a, a journalism course which is probably something you know it's it was probably the wrong thing i was just doing something because we had the service there and i thought i had to do something so so yeah when it so when it comes to like being ready i, mate, I was far from it so um if you can imagine sort of anyone else that's 30 years old there sort of 10 you know five ten years into their career i'm i'm sort of just finished high school out in the workforce trying to trying to work out what what to do now so yeah um that's it's that's so that's you know trying to find a job is one thing but but then trying to to come to terms with yeah like i said the identity crisis one minute you're you're a footy player and that's that's who you identify that's who people see you as you're, you're sort of top of the world you're fit you're you know you're strong you're healthy and then next minute you like you're not that but you know you're not anything you don't know what you are you, you it's that's, and it's and then that's when you know you really sort of um, the quest to sort of start finding yourself and start as deep as you know without getting too deep, trying to find yourself and trying to sort of work out um, who you are, um, you know, underneath all that you know the, all the layers of you know rugby league and and everything else around you. That's that's the big battle. That's that's the probably the, one of the hardest things to try to work out. And then, so once you work that out, then you can then you can work towards a fulfilling life again. But it's like you you go from 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 you know the top of the, the you know the top of the heap to back right down the bottom. And um, uh, without you know without trying to sort of make like feel, make people feel sorry for footy players, that's that's just the reality of it. And there's a lot of people that sort of could probably find themselves in that position. Um, you know, if you you know people that you know, made redundant or whatever. 
Mm. Um, it's the same thing. But yeah, so that's that's the that's just like through the eyes of a footy player. That's that's what happens. Yeah, and that's um and it's you know, and it's like that's why you know people sort of say we're sport and all sort of thing, but that's the reality of it where is we're human and, and that's the position that we find ourselves in at the end of our career and it's a really tough one really tough one to be in. Yeah, you, you spoke before you about know? the club not wanting you to tell your side of the story to um you know, let it mm. uh, it's not it's probably a lesson I didn't learn until I was older. Um I think most footy players one, you're so regiment, you're so you're like a soldier. You just you do what you're told. Yeah. You're always protecting yeah, like, yeah. you protect the team, you protect the coach, you protect the club. Um, yeah, it just towed the line, which is kind of like what we would have done our whole career. And you obviously stepped out of line once and you felt the wrath of what happened to you step past the line. Yeah. Um, it's the other thing you don't learn until later on is how, yeah, like we're really gullible as footy players. Like you just assume everyone is, um, yeah, wanting the best for you. You assume that everyone's looking after you. Yeah. And then like, yeah. Yeah, you spoke about, you know, and this is not a mock on your club. It's just, you know, all clubs, all sports, you know, a, a club is at the end of the day they're looking after them like they got to look after their image and themselves. So for you telling yeah. a story that's going to affect their image, you know they're always going to make they do the best they can to keep that under wraps. Um, yeah. Has your have your eyes been open a bit to the real world since, like since you know you've kind of seen a bit more what it's like? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think what of what of you know since since footy and since sort of you know learning about myself or whatever it's. It's sort of um, it's opened me up to how valuable um, genuine people are, and and how sort of few and far between they can you know can be. You know, um, I look at I look at clubs clubs that you know you could see you could see from a mile away the clubs that have a genuine care for for their roster or and for everyone sort of within the club. One hundred percent. You know what I mean? And yep. so and, and but when you think about it and when you think about the clubs that have that, it make it makes it racks my rack my brain as to why the other coaches or the other, you know, leaders or whoever whatever whatever industry it is, why they wouldn't take a leaf out of that book and go, Okay, this is this is what's working and not only is not not only is that what's what's working and what works, it's what is is good, and it's what would would be for the betterment of not only yourself but for for everyone around you. So when I and rack, I just racked my brain as to like why they wouldn't just implement being a genuine good pe- good person. Isn't it funny you, you say that about yeah. about culture, right? But you look at the NRL, all the teams that do that. You look mm. at businesses that do that. They're always they're mm. all the best. Like like you look at the Roosters in Melbourne. Yeah, exactly. You, exactly. you, look at, you don't have to spend a day there to know what kind of culture they have and how much they look after their players. And every player that you speak to that comes out of that system, yeah. they they can't yep. stop talking with praise about the old about their club. And mm. it's no secret why they're, they're killing it because they just nailed the culture and they actually care. Because you're right, you're not you're not dealing with uh, commodities where you know you're dealing with gold and silver or you're buying shares. You're actually dealing with humans. You're dealing with guys that yeah. you know have a heartbeat and that you need them to feel. You're like they feel part of this place to want to be their best to perform for you, so it just makes sense yeah. to have that culture where you look after them. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a formula to to the to the success, obviously, because they because you've got clubs doing it over and over and over again. So I mean, you wouldn't wouldn't you want to try to in, like um, get a hold of that formula and just uh, just replicate it? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why like when people I don't know I don't know how you I don't know how you know, especially Parramatta hasn't um, you know, snapped up people like yourself or people that just 
have that have that instilled in them and to to just bring it to the club and just to because you watch you watch the the success go through the roof with that they did that yeah you know um like for but, example, yeah I, I'm still too political you know yeah I'm ambassador of the club um and they're, yeah. they're doing some pretty awesome like you know I look at the CEO there now and I'm a huge fan of Jim like it, what he's doing at that club yeah. and you know to to get to a point now where it's they're kicking heaps of goals, right? Um, but, yeah. you know, if, if, if I'm being honest, from a football side of things, I'll, I'll look at Melbourne and I'll look at Roosters and there's a part of me that was envious. Like, uh, you know, that, I, don't yeah. know, I don't know I don't know much about the football side of things now, but I know when I was playing, like, yeah. you know, I look at, I used to be envious of those clubs. I used to think, gee, they've, they've, they've got something that we don't at the moment. And, um, yeah. you know, and it's, uh, you it's hard. You just wish you were in there, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to understand, like, what, how they got it and, and, and how you build it. But, um and you look at other sports, mate. You look at like I look at other sports over you know, in America and Europe, and yep. you can just tell from the outside. You look in, you go, "How how do you get that? Like, what? I want that." Um, now you talk. One of they're going to write some good books. They're going to write some good books one day, and um, yeah. Well, you know what? You talk about you know what you're doing now. Let's 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 go into that because yeah. I think um, yep. I think it's amazing that you're that you're even going down this path. But you're studying counselling. <laughs> What what is it that you'd yeah. like you'd like to do? Like, what is it you see yourself doing? Um, well, there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of different sort of angles, different sort of paths you can go down with counselling. But um, but I don't know. I've always sort of always had an interest in um in behavioural science and psychology and body language and all that, all those sort of things. And um, and so yeah, so I think you know towards the end of last year, I was, I was like, so I had a few jobs after footy. I worked in the prisons. I did. Worked in detention centre. I was driving a truck now, and um, it sort of um, I don't know. I sort of thought I still wanted to do something fulfilling, and you know I've got a still hopefully I've got a long life ahead of me. So what what can I do, and what interests me? And and so so I was talking to the missus, and um, and one thing that as frustrating as probably is to her when we have arguments. I think I, I touched on this with you earlier, Timmy. Um, yep. I was talking about how. When we, when me and the missus have arguments, I sort of, I can sort of pinpoint um, where both of us are coming from in in the argument and sort of and knock the uh, knock the argument on their head before it's even started. So I thought maybe I should do, <laughs> maybe I should do that. As frustrating as it, as it was to her when you know to admit it, but um, I thought yeah maybe I can um, maybe I should do something something on that in that sort of area. So um, so yeah, I took the first step and um, and enrolled in the counselling course, but. But yeah, I mean, I guess you know, learning it like I said before, learning about myself, and also maybe trying to take the um, experiences that I've had, um, positive or negative, in rugby league or in life, and and using them and using them for for the better. So we're trying to work out how to how to help you know um, how how to help other people and um, you know potentially maybe other players um, with the with the. You know, with the identity crisis period, that might be that might be something that I'm, you know, might look into to mm. sort of focusing on. But um, I have I have a, a big um, I'm really I'm really interested in in the fact that there's you know with everyone there's there's a there's always a backstory to to what's going on with them, yeah. and um, and my interest lies around finding the re- finding the backstory and and working out the reasons behind. Um, certain behaviours or certain emotions or feelings or, or you know things that people are going through and um, so yeah so I guess we'll get my expertise up in that sort of thing learning as much as I can and then trying to implement it 
Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned moment. potentially helping the sporting people and and footy people. Is there any other specific yeah. people groups that you know you're, you're quite interested in in helping and supporting? Yeah, well, I didn't like going into it. I didn't specifically say I'm going to you know do get into footy. Mm. I just actually it actually started off as I was, I was looking at maybe being a marriage counsellor right. or relationship relationship counselling. So yeah, that was. That's it. That was where the first the first thoughts. That's where they were sort of headed towards. Mm. Um, but yeah, so but you know, trying to think of all the different type of people and different sort of realms I could get into. That's the footy thing sort of just come up because it was close to me heart because it was something I struggled with myself. So trying to take the experience that I've you know all the experience I've had and and put them in you know um, help helping other people with them. Yeah. That's sort of where that come in. But yeah, mate, any like. I'm probably looking to open in private practice and, and working, yeah, through that, working, you know, with anyone. Yeah. It's very, it's very early, so, yeah, I'll just, I'll see what I, see what I like. Well. And then uh, go, go that way. Is anyone listening from any NRL clubs and you're looking for a welfare officer? You, you know <laughs> what, you're, you'd actually be such a perfect fit for that because not only, obviously, are you learning about the, the psychology of it and how people tick, but you, um, you're very warm. Like, people warm to each other away. I know you talk about your... You know, you felt like you, you did it through humour in the early days, but even without humour, people are warm to you. You got that kind of personality that you could go say hello to a little girl in the shopping centre, and she'd run away and tell her friends that how like how cool you were. Or just everything, every time you met someone, everyone oh, felt God. everyone felt like everyone felt that special um, feeling around you. Um, and you're Thanks, also man. you're also you and Eric Rose Jr. From my mind, were always the, the deepest thinkers I ever played with. Um, you know, you always, oh, yeah. always challenge the norms. Like everyone thought something, and you guys would always look at it from a different, you know, set of spectacles, and um, always have your own opinion. And I, I really, really enjoyed. It. I think that's why we got along so well because you know we always had yeah. really good well, conversations. And would have put to be put in the same um, same group as that as that guy. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's um he's he's a deep thing. He's one of the most talented people I've ever I've known. And probably probably one of those guys that you look at and you go, he's like he's just a and I'm like an amazing bloke. Yeah. Oh, and man. um, yeah. So, so to be, so for you put me in the same category as him, man, I'm, I'm actually very, I'm very flattered then. Mate, this is, it's, yeah. our time is slipping and we, we've got to wrap it up. But bro, <laughs> <laughs> I am, I, I, honestly, I'm so grateful that you've given us your time. You, I yeah. keep talking about the special people I got to play with, but from my mind, the connection you and I had, it was, we 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 just clicked and we like you know it's so special. We haven't spoken for a couple of years, so for us to call, yeah. speak the other day, and it was like nothing happened. It was like we we'd speaking every day. We just, and that's what I love about relationships like this, where um, yeah. you just got that connection with someone. With that, no matter what happens, no matter what they're going through, you can just pick up the phone and feel like you guys just have not, not a day's gone yeah. past without seeing each other. You're also someone that I've got, I genuinely believe is going to make a real impact on people's lives. It's it might not be. Um, you know, right now, even though you're affecting people like your family and, and your missus and your kids, I reckon you're going to make a real impact on, on the sporting world as well. So I think um, it's a kind of watch this space kind of thing and we're definitely going to keep up to mm. date with how that goes. And I'll speak yeah. to you offline as well about things I think that you could do that would be really helpful in the sporting world as well. But Shaq, Thanks, we love you. We um, <laughs> we didn't want to get you to do a rap or anything because I didn't want to put you on the spot. <laughs> but I think uh, if we get you on for a, we've got to get you on for another segment, Benny. Yeah. There's no way we're finishing up now. I know we've uh, gone over time, but there's so much more so I want to talk to this guy about. So we'll get him on for part two, <laughs> and I'll give you a few weeks to, to come up with uh, some more entertainment. <laughs> oh god, mate. Well, mate, the feeling's mutual when it comes to the love, mate. But um, I appreciate your time, and um, I've I've had a ball, man. Um, 
talking to you. Yeah, like you said, it's been a long time, but um, but yeah, no, it's, I've enjoyed it. So La- thank you, ladies and gentlemen, the great red and black lumberjack Shane Shackleton. <laughs> thanks, brother. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thanks, Kenny. Thanks. Love you, man. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.